Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. I am your host, Sarah B. It is February 4th, which makes it Friday Fun Day. And this, of course, is the podcast that's fighting back against liberal lunacy, the lies of feminism, and the destruction of the progressive left by refocusing us on those F-bombs that truly matter, faith, family, friendship, and now more than ever, freedom. If you are new, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm glad you found this little podcast. And if you have been here all the while, welcome back. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to my craziness every single uh, week. I really appreciate it. Um, let's see if you want to follow me, you can catch me on conservative mama podcast over on the Instagram. I also have my personal account, which is lady double dog USMC. You can check me out at either place. Um, I've been trying to post, uh, uh, podcast stuff over on what was the backup account, but is now just going to be for the podcast. Um, also, I have got the website, which is conservativemompodcast.com. Please check that out. I've got to get some blogs up there for you guys. Got to get some more links out there. Oh, you know, it, there's a lot going on. When you work full time, you've got a toddler, you've got a tween. Um, you don't have a lot of time for yourself. So I'm just saying, I know a lot of you feel me and um, are very forgiving. And so I have to say thank you to you guys. Um, we've had a lot going on. There's been a lot going on in this world. There's been a lot to talk about, a lot of politics, a lot of current events, a lot of things going on. And what we have overlooked um, are the good things, right? I keep saying, you know, we're winning, we're winning, we're doing really good things. Um, you know, stay positive, guys, because we are, we're doing amazing. Um, and yet, it's easy to forget all that when uh, the podcast is over and you're tuning back into your lives and what's on TV and what's going on around you, in your jobs, in your workspaces, whatever. It's very easy to fall backwards and go, oh, I just don't see it, conservative mama. I don't see it. I don't see how we're winning. I don't see these good things. So you know what? Let's jump over to goodnewsnetwork.org. Let's read some stories. Um, let's get some feel-good stories out there, right? So, um, with respect to the large demographic I have uh, of listeners that um, are in the, the range where they might have children who are approaching teenage years, maybe they're even in those teenage years, I've got an interesting little article that talks about the top skills American teens want to learn and do after school. So I thought that was pretty uh, I don't know. I think maybe it will help a lot of us. I mean, I've got a tween, but I know a lot of you have older kids. So what would they like to do? Let's just jump right in, shall we? All right. Saddle up. Here we go. Okay. The article is called Top Skills American Teens Want to Learn and Do After School. Again, you can find it on goodnewsnetwork.org. 
and it says teens today are looking to forge their own success and happiness in their future careers a recent survey of 2000 american high school students found that a Although a third of respondents have no post-graduation plans, 82% agree the most important thing for them to do is something that they're passionate about regardless of what career they choose. Seven in 10, so 69%, said it's important to have a job immediately after graduating while others consider higher education more polarizing. Over half of students surveyed 55% believe college isn't a requirement for a successful career compared to the 45% who think it is mandatory. All right, I'm just going to pause right there. So as most of you already know, I am a Gen Xer, right? So I come from the generation that was like chomping at the bit to get out of the house, to get into the, the real world, you know, sink your teeth into this thing called life, right? And a lot of us were under the belief that you had to go to college to get a real job, to get a good job, um, and so on and so forth, right? And now while I'm not going to say there's no truth to that, because there is truth to that, you know, depending on what you want to do, um, you may have to go to college. Like, for instance, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a nurse, um, an architect, you have to go to college, right? That, that you can't just go into those fields. It's not how it works. However, you don't have to go into college to have a good career. I think um, we have really, as a society, as an American society, gotten away from promoting the trades, um, you know, carpentry, plumbing, uh, you know, pipe fitting, uh, journeyman, linemen, uh, construction, all of these are really, really good jobs and they're very, very necessary and you don't necessarily have to go and tack on a lot of college debt to participate in those fields. So I think, you know, that is one, one direction that we can help our children, especially those who, um, you know, college might not really be for them that's a good conversation to have with your kids that there are other options besides going to a four-year university wasting your time wasting your money not really sure what you want to do getting some kind of crazy liberal arts degree in gender studies that you're not going to do anything about or with right so you know just kind of tossing that out there also in the company that i work for um, i know i've talked to you guys about this uh, we package pharmaceuticals and there is a very large percentage of people that I work with who are in the office. So I'm not going to just say, oh, they're just out on the floor, you know, working in the packaging lines. They are in the office. They are salaried. Some of them are directors and executive directors and senior execs um, who have no college whatsoever. They have no degree. So here I am sitting with my four-year degree because I bought the line, hook, line, and sinker after coming out of the Marine Corps um, that I had to get a college degree. Um, and yet I am sitting here, uh, you know, amongst other people who, who just went into the workforce and then kind of rose through the ranks. Some of it is who you know, and it's just a matter of getting in, right? And sometimes that's how unions work. So anyway, I just wanted to toss that out there because I agree with these kids. Gen X, we really bought the line that you have to go to college or else, right? But the millennials came along and the millennials redefined a lot of that. They said, you know what? I don't want to go to college. I'm going to do something else. And then they started up, you know, various internet businesses that obviously were not 
um, something that a lot of us Gen Xers were thinking about, right? The millennials grew up with the internet and we came in to the internet, if that makes sense. The internet didn't always exist, ladies and gentlemen. For my younger listeners, it wasn't always there. You had a cute little thing called a library and a Dewey Decimal System where you had to thumb through those little cards with your fingers. You couldn't just go to the Google and find whatever you were looking for. And you certainly didn't have a tiny super-powered computer in your back pocket that you took everywhere with you. It just wasn't a thing, right? So anyway, I just wanted to say that um, the millennials changed the market uh, and it's probably never going to go backwards, which is good, which is good. So now these kids who are in high school right now looking at their own graduation, they're wondering, what do I do? What am I going to do? You know, and um, honestly, the sky's the limit. They can produce their own music. They can produce their own, you know, videos. They can make vlogs. They, they can be quote unquote influencers or they can write stories or they can, you know, um, they can do so much. I'm just kind of naming some uh, craft or, or artsy sort of things because that's the way my brain is geared. But there's so many things um, that they can do. Okay, so let's just continue on. I'm taking up too much of your time. Let's continue on with this crazy article. Um, for students who haven't considered any alternatives to higher education, half, 51%, explained that they didn't know enough about other options. Isn't that the truth? Lord, I wouldn't have wasted all my time in college had I had known about some other options. Anyway, such as career paths in the skilled trades, hinting that students aren't being exposed to those options in school. We already talked about that. Commissioned by Wolverine and conducted by one poll, the poll revealed two-thirds saw how important essential workers and skilled trade careers were and continue to be during the pandemic, prompting 45% of students to show more interest in pursuing essential jobs. But getting there may be no easy feat for these students. A third of American high schoolers want to learn how to pursue, pursue their goals, 34%, money to pay for their education, 33%, and how to deal with parental pressure, 31%. Okay, so for two of those things, pursuing their goals and money to pay for education, um, that should be taught in high school at the latest. That should be something that they are getting in school, I dare say, start them in middle school and go all the way through high school with it. The fact that so many of us enter the real world, the workforce, the adult life with no concept of how to pay for a mortgage, how to save for your future, how to invest your money, how to handle you know, the stock market, how to pay rent, pay taxes, um, pay a car note, etc., etc. There are so many of us that entered so many kids that got into uh, credit card debt they get into it immediately um we want to argue that kids shouldn't own a, a handgun at 18 years old but they certainly can own a, a credit card you know it's just it's preposterous to me that um they can be offered uh a credit card which could invariably sink them before they ever ever learn to swim so hang on, let me turn off my little heater here. I've got that. I'm sorry, you probably can hear it, um, but it's getting a little bit toasty on my legs. It's like riding around in an old Volkswagen bug. One leg is cold and the other one's on fire. It's just how it is. Um, some of you are going to understand that and others are going to have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, let's see. So the results also found students feel more pressure to pursue higher uh, traditional higher education after high school than alternatives. A third, 35%, have felt pressured to attend a traditional four-year college. Still, only 18% have felt the same pressure for vocational schools. That just goes to show um, 
that we are not putting enough emphasis on the trades and also we are probably devaluing them to our children like oh well you don't want to be you don't want to be a plumber right never mind that the plumber uh is making good money he maybe owns that you know the the big truck he's driving around in he probably owns that boat you know what i mean like we we don't uh we undervalue these things um so anyway uh three out of five so 62 percent said the pressure comes from their parents students also said that they feel the heat about school from society 47 percent and other high schools faculty 45 percent meanwhile nearly three quarters 72 percent believe looking at alternative options to a traditional four-year college is important however 30 percent have considered vocational schools with 46 percent contemplating community college and 41 percent are thinking about having a job immediately after graduation um and so the article kind of continues on and as we get down towards the bottom here are the top 10 uh top 10 skills students think that they should be taught in school oh gosh i'm on the struggle bus so number one at 49 percent is culinary arts well that's weird to me because we had home ec growing up i don't know i didn't take it so you know it interfered with art class so i couldn't take it um, number two is cosmetology, 40%. Practical nursing, so the LPNs, 35%. Auto mechanics, 33%. That's a little bit weird to me again because I know growing up we had shop class, so maybe that's not a thing in a lot of uh, high schools anymore. I don't know. Number five at 32% is electrics. I agree. A lot of these are really good uh, are really good choices. I think these kids were very um, wise to consider these. Number six, welding and machining technology at 32%. 100% agree with those. Um, auto body repair and collision repair at 26%. So that's number seven. Number eight, landscape design, 26%. Nine, construction trades at 25%. And 10, metalworking at 23%. So if I've got parents that are listening to this and they've got a, uh, a middle schooler or a high schooler as they're approaching that high school graduation um, and they're not sure what they want to do, you, you know, they, they're having these conversations, they're not real, they're not real sure, um, keep this in your mind. Again, it's over at goodnewsnetwork.org. Take a look at this and, and maybe have that discussion with them. Say, hey, would any of these be something that you're interested in? Um, and maybe you can work with your school or maybe you can work with like a co-op uh, and see if there's other, you know, parents of other students that want to get together and maybe reach out to your local um, uh, shops and whatnot. You know, maybe they can ha uh, host a class in welding or electronics or mechanics or nursing or something, right? Um, it's just food for thought, you know, some ideas. Okay, let's see what else we've got here. Um, here's a fun one I think we can all get behind. English Island seeks landlord king in search of solitude, seals, and beer. You know what? Sign me up. I don't know about you. I don't even need to read the rest of this. Where, 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 where is this? Let's see. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it says, tender set to be launched for one of the most unique opportunities in UK hospitality reads the borough of Barrow at Furness website. Oh my goodness, say that five times fast. Which is looking for a new landlord to manage a pub on Peel Island, P-I-E-L. Gosh, you guys know that I'm terrible with words. 
Peel Island, as well as to claim an ancient beer-soaked royal throne carved from oak. Done. Done. You know what? It's been good. It's been real. Deplorables. I'm out. I'm going to go be a, uh, whatever this is, landlord on a beer island. Um, bye. <laughs> Why are you still listening to me? I'm leaving. Okay. The claimant should also be ready to be soaked himself. Oh, well, that's limiting. Uh, in, according to a bizarre tradition and take up the title of king and to oversee every degree of comings and goings on the small island on the northwest coast of England. Does it have to be a him? They said himself, but um, you know what? I'm going to take one out of the liberal playbook and I'm going to identify as a guy for this role. So I could be queen, but also believe I'm a king, right? I'm already a queen. Who am I talking to? Okay. Tradition holds that each new landlord is crowned King of Peel in a ceremony of uncertain origin, the Barrow, the Barrow Council described in a statement. Tony Callister, another member of the council, said in an interview that the custom would continue. The person coming in gets the title of King of Peel, which is nice to have, and there's no reason for that to change. You're right. I agree. The job requires all 50 acres of island grounds to be tended to. Uh, do you get help with that or do I have to just get a bunch of sheep or it doesn't really say here. Okay. For the ship in pub, ship, ship, S-H-I-P, in pub, and kitchens to be managed and for all guests to be made welcome. Furthermore, potential kings should be prepared for loneliness. <laughs> well, I'm already dead inside. Why not? Um, as there is only one other permanent resident and the winter months see few visitors but many storms. It doesn't say who this other permanent resident is. Are they living? <laughs> you guys know I love a good ghost story. Okay. There are, however, many seals on the island. Oh, we're like actual seals. Not like, I guess I maybe I thought of uh, the little wax seal. Nope, oh, these are real seals. Okay. There are uh, many seals on the island as well as a derelict 14th century castle that a Scottish man at the head of a mercenary army once used as a base from which to launch a failed usurpation of the English throne. There are probably so many ghosts. Uh, I'm in. Still in. Not a deal breaker for me. The castle was originally made by monks, perhaps as a defense or to store smuggled goods. Did the monks do a lot of smuggling? I don't know. It's the failed bid for the throne which historians believe spawned the tradition of proclaiming the ship in landlord King of Peel. Um, murky waters. The Ship Inn maintains a website, as well as the following description of the history of the inn, which is murky and uncertain. The origins of the Ship Inn are obscure, although it is said to be over 300 years old. In 1746, a lease for agricultural land situated within the castle ditch was granted to an Edwardian, oh, I can't say this word, postlethwaite, postlethwaite, whatever. I'm sorry for my English friends who are listening to this, who described as an innkeeper from the pile of foundry. A description from 1813 paints a vivid picture of the life of the innkeeper at the time. Here's the description. There is a public house on the island, the only habitation tenanted by an old Scotchman who has been lord of this domain for many years and goes through the duties of guide and expositor among the ruins of the castle with admirable fluency. The custom of the seamen from the roadstead and the donations of occasional visitors in the summertime support him in a state of which he has no right, he thinks, to complain. But he acknowledged that when there are no vessels in the roadstead, he 
found his situation rather too lonesome and apt to drive him to his beer barrel for company. <laughs> uh, let's see. You know, this seems like there should be a lighthouse. Anyway, a number of changes and improvements are due to take place on the island from 2022 onwards, including replacing the existing toilet block and considering alternative energy generation as part of the low carbon barrow project the job application details there's something incredibly special about peel island it's certainly a location that is held close to the hearts of so many people across barrow and the wider area former king of i can't this is like a c with two l's and an r i'd like to buy a vowel i don't know how to say this word oh my goodness <laughs> uh former king claire clear king clear thompson is this a title there's King, and is this a name? C-L-L-R. Could somebody help me out here? I don't even, my mouth doesn't even want to think. I, I, my mouth doesn't want to form this. Clear, 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 clear. It sounds, it sounds like the Swedish chef. What's going on here? What's going on? I don't know. Okay, so former King Thompson said, uh, Barrow hopes to have a new king by the start of April 2022, but to accept so mighty a position requires a 10-year lease. Oh, so you got to be there for 10 years. Interesting. So if you guys are interested, you want to sign up, um, it does not appear that there is an application available here on this particular website, but I'm sure if you take one of the links, you could probably, uh, uh, I don't know fill out an application there I don't know but you could be the king of your own little island and it's a cute island looks sunny ish looks cold I'm not gonna lie to you it looks cold there's no trees to speak of no I take it back there's a couple of trees there's a couple of trees to speak of but really not too many um okay let's see uh what else have we got here okay so we've got a space one um you guys know I like space uh in theory Aliens freak me out. So um, while I, I believe we're probably not alone, it seems like, you know, it would be ridiculous to think there's so many galaxies out there and that we're the only um, uh, terrestrial life out there. Uh, I don't know. Intelligent life, maybe. I don't know. But aliens freak me out. They don't ever have to come and visit me. Okay. Although I do love alien stories. So whatever. Um, here's a good one. Mysterious object, unlike anything astronomers have seen before, discovered. Seems like a weird headline, but okay. A team mapping radio waves in the universe has discovered something unusual that releases a giant burst of energy three times an hour, and it's unlike anything astronomers have seen before. The team who discovered it think it could be a neutron star or a white dwarf collapsed cores of stars with an ultra-powerful magnetic field. Spinning around in space, the strange object sends out a beam of radiation that crosses our line of sight, and for a minute in every 20 it is one of the brightest radio sources in the sky maybe it's 5g <laughs> oh my goodness astrophysicist oh god lord astrophysicist dr natasha hurley walker from the Curtin university node of the international center for radio astronomy research good grief how am I supposed to say all these words? Okay. Led the team that made the discovery. The ob Oh, this object was appearing and disappearing over a few hours during our observations, she said. That was completely unexpected. It was kind of spooky for an astronomer because there's nothing known in the sky that does that. Well, turns out there is. And now we know about it. Okay. 
And it's really close to us, about 4,000 light years away. It's in our galactic backyard. What does that mean? Is it going to pose a threat to us? Should we be concerned? I don't know. The object was discovered by Curtin University honor student Tyrone Doherty. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Tyrone O'Doherty using the Murchison Wide Field Array uh, or MWA telescope. <laughs> MWA? <laughs> I thought that band broke up a long time ago. I'm just I'm just kidding. Just kidding. That was a terrible joke. Mom jokes. They're nowhere near as good as dad jokes. A telescope in the outback Western Australia and new technique he developed. Oh, look at him. Developing a new technique. It's exciting that the source I identified last year has turned out to be such a peculiar object, said Mr. O'Doherty, who is now studying for a PhD at Curtin, probably in a concentration camp over there in Australia. You know, I'm just saying. Oh, it's too soon. Anyway, the MWA's wide field of view and extreme sensitivity are perfect for surveying the entire sky and detecting the unexpected. They're <laughs> it's also good for cursing at the police and uh, putting out some uh, hot rap tracks. Okay, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. It wasn't for everybody's ears. I'm just saying if you know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. Objects that turn on and off in the universe aren't new to astronomers. They call them transients. Uh, okay. Uh, the ICRAR Curtin astrophysic astrophysicist and co-author Dr. Gemma Anderson said that when studying transients, you are watching the death of a massive star or the activity of the rem remnants it leaves behind. Interesting. Slow transients like supernovae. Hmm. I don't know might appear over the course of a few days and disappear after a few months. Fast transients, like a type of neutron star called a pulsar, flash on and off within milliseconds or seconds. But Dr. Anderson said that finding something that turned on and off for a minute was really weird. She said the mysterious object was incredibly bright and smaller than the sun, emitting highly polarized radio waves, suggesting the object had an extremely strong magnetic field. Dr. Hurley Walker said the observations matched a predicted astrophysical object called an ultra-long period magnetar. It's a type of slowly spinning neutron star that has been predicted to exist theoretically, she said. But nobody expected to directly detect one like this because we didn't expect them to be so bright. Somehow it's converting magnetic energy to radio waves much more effectively than anything we've seen before. Dr. Hurley Walker is now monitoring the object with the MWA to see if it switches back on. If it does, she's going to call Dre. There are telescopes across the southern hemisphere and even in orbit that can point straight to it, she said. Dr. Hurley plans to search for more of these unusual objects in the vast archives of the MWA. More detections will tell astronomers whether this was a rare one-off event or vast new population we've never noticed before, she said. That's pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Weird things up in space. What do you guys think? You, I don't know. I mean, is it weird now because, uh, you know, the government sort of more or less disclosed the existence of alien spacecraft, right? Is it weirder now when you, when you read an article like that? I don't know. I don't think it's weirder. I think it's just par for the course anymore. 
Okay, so moving on, we've got one really short one. Um, I think you guys are going to like it. It's uh, still on the goodnewsnetwork.org. 65 different species of animals laugh, says a new study. So this is a short one. We've got time. Let's just rip through it, okay? Human laughter is common, but it's somewhat mysterious part of our evolution. It's clear to evolutionary scholars that we laugh as a part of play, signaling our cooperation or friendliness. But how did laughter evolve and humans oh and are humans the only ones who do it not a chance animals laugh too i feel like if you're a pet owner you already knew this primatologist and ucla anthropology graduate student sasha winkler and ucla professor of communication greg bryant have taken a closer look at the phenomenon of laughter across the animal kingdom the pair combed through existing scientific literature on animal play behavior looking for mentions of vocal play signals or what might be thought of as laughter they found such vocal play behavior documented in at least 65 species that list includes a variety of primates domestic cows dogs foxes seals and mongooses as well as three bird species including parakeets and australian magpies this work lays out nicely how a phenomenon once thought to be particularly human turns out to be closely tied behavior shared with species separated from humans by tens of millions of years bryant said the researchers looked for information on whether the animal vocalizations were recorded as noisy or tonal, loud or quiet, high-pitched or low-pitched, short or long, a single call or a rhythmic pattern seeking known features of play sounds. There's much existing documentation of play-based body language among animals, such as what is known as play face in primates or play bows in canines, the researchers noted. Since what constitutes play in much of the animal kingdom is rough and tumble and can resemble fighting, play sounds help emphasize non-aggression during such physical moments, the article suggests. When we laugh, we are often providing information to others that we are having fun and also inviting others to join, Winkler said. Some scholars have suggested that this kind of vocal behavior is shared across many animals who play, and as such, laughter is our human version of an evolutionarily old vocal play signal. While Winkler and Bryant say that further observation and research into vocalizations would be fruitful, they also note that su such observations can be hard to come by in the wild, especially for animals whose play sounds might be quieter. Paying attention to other species in this way sheds light on the form and function of human laughter, the researchers write and helps us to to better understand the evolution of social behavior well i liked that one we're not the only ones who play so hopefully you guys enjoyed these stories hopefully it cheered you up a little bit as always have a wonderful weekend and stay deplorable patriots love and god bless and we will catch you again on monday <laughs>